You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Again, my name is Adam and my wife Heather's with me, and that's really great. Uh, Really good to be with you guys. I feel like this is one of our sister churches. QCC and Vineyard Campbellsville just have a huge connection through the years. So many of your people have been with us. So many of our people have been with you. And this is like a second home for me. And I just have felt the love all weekend long. And I just want to say it's a huge honor to be with you this morning and to get to share, hopefully, the good news of Jesus for a few minutes. Um, My wife, Heather, and I, like Andy said, we live in Campbellsville, Kentucky. We have four kids, River, Seth, Magnolia, and Rowan. Rowan's our little guy, so we've got a senior in high school, and we've got a first grader. I, I don't know exactly why that happened, but it did. <clears throat> I'll tell you one quick story that has nothing to do with the message. It's just about my youngest kid, who's sometimes pretty funny. About a year ago, I was putting him to bed, and I a lot of times put him to bed, and he likes to chit-chat it up, and he said, he said, Dad, i got a couple questions. I said, yeah, Ro, what's, what, what are your questions? And he said... Um, dad is, uh, is Jesus rich? I, I think he's doing pretty good. I mean, yeah, I, yeah he's rich. Sure. I, I, sure. What do I, yes, he's rich. And then he's like, huh? And then he says, Hey, dad is, is Jesus nice? And I said, well, yeah, he's, he's super nice. He's more than nice. He's like, He's closer than a brother. That's what the Bible says. He's like, he really loves you. And Rowan said, okay, thanks, Dad. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And so he was like, I'm going to pray. So Rowan prayed, and he immediately prayed this. He prayed, dear Jesus, please give my dad all your money. <laughs> I love that moment. I have no idea how he puts this stuff together, but it's just killer. All right, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about the message of Jesus, the message of Jesus. And I want to, I want to do that because really when I go places that are not home, I just really want to bring good news. So the only thing I want to do this morning is hopefully bring you some good news. And I want to do that by talking about the message of Jesus. And the message of Jesus is the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. And before I really dive into that, what I have to do is I sort of have to give you a little personal history. And um, what I mean is this. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were radically saved in the charismatic renewal of the 1970s. Radically saved. And so because of that, my upbringing was really formed in super charismatic home groups. Anybody here ever go to a super charismatic home group? Yeah. I'm, you're my people. I'm talking to my people this morning. So I grew up in super charismatic home groups or super charismatic home church. So I grew up around people who were speaking in tongues. I grew up around people who would regularly fall on the floor. And my sister and I and the other kids would like lay under the couch in color and wonder what's happening in the room right now, you know. And uh, that was sort of like the early formational years of my church or faith experience. And then when I got to be about... Uh, eighth or ninth grade, my sister and I, we went to my mother and we said, hey, can we just start going to the Christian church in town? 
because we want to have friends because it's hard to be a charismatic. <laughs> yeah, some of you never tried to be a charismatic family when you were in middle school. And we just went to my mom and we were like, hey, we got to go to the church that actually has kids at the youth group. Can we just, can we start going to the Christian church? And my mom was like, you know, whatever the kids want to do, if it's related to church, we'll do it. So we just started going to the Christian church and it was the exact opposite of everything I'd ever grown up in. Just the opposite, right? And, and so those were like my middle school, high school years where we were just in a church that was completely, completely different. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because a lot of things happened in those years of early charismatic home church to sort of like Christian church youth group. A lot of things happened. But one of the things that happened, and I didn't even know it happened. Like I didn't know this happened until I turned 30, right? It was like 30 or 31. How many of you know that you never quit waking up? If you're alive, hopefully you just keep waking. And I'm not talking about waking up in the morning, but like you keep having awakenings, right? You just keep waking up, right? And I was 30 or 31 and I started waking up again. And here's what I started waking up to. The good news of Jesus Christ. I started waking up to the gospel of the kingdom of God. And here's what I basically woke up to. I woke up to the fact that I had grown up in church that I had been around Christians my entire life. I had done charismatic church. I had done non-charismatic church. I had taken communion. I had been baptized. I'd gone to youth group. I've been to camp. We've sang songs. Like we've touched all the bases. And when I turned 31, I sort of woke up to this reality that the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, meaning the rule and reign of God, wherever God rules and reigns, it's good news. I had, I woke up to when I was 30 that the good news of the rule and reign of God that I didn't even really understand what that was and I didn't even know what it was even though I'd technically been growing up in an atmosphere that was supposed to be about that my entire life. Now I'll just, I'm going to tell you my experience. It might be some of your all's experience or it might not. Okay. So, and if it's not, it's cool. And if it is, then come with me. Right. Um, here's what I realized when I was about 30 or 31. I realized that the good news of the kingdom of God had been shrunk and had been shrunk all the way down to just the gospel. So the gospel of the kingdom of God had gotten shrunk all the way down to just the gospel. And this is pretty normal in the American South. Uh, in the American South, here's what we mean by the gospel. Mostly what we mean is don't go to hell when you die. How many of you grew up in that? Like, like everything at church was basically just like, don't go to hell when you die. And for like nine years, I realized of nine formational years when I was in maybe middle school, high school, and just a touch beyond, I realized basically what I was hearing over and over again is get saved. Don't go to hell. Now, I just want to tell you something. I don't recommend that anyone go to hell. So I just want to play my play my true Christian card here. I don't recommend that anyone go to hell. If you're on that path this morning, uh, we'll make an opportunity at the end for you to change directions. You know, I recommend you not do that. But here's the other thing I want you to know. I began to wake up to the fact that not going to hell is like maybe 1% of the gospel. It might only be 1% of the good news. Like the good news, the good news of God's rule and reign is not just simply don't go to hell. And here's the other thing I realized. I realized when I was like 30 or 31 that if you hear this sort of message over and over and over and over and over and over again, 
if ultimate realities are always put in front of you, and if there is the ultimate reality of hell constantly put in front of you, guess that, guess what that does to your soul? It interjects a massive amount of anxiety and fear into your soul. And if it's in your soul, it will be in your body. How many of you know, how many of you know that if you live, if you live with a low grade fever of anxiety and fear, that has consequences. And one of the consequences is it's really hard to love. It's really hard to enter into love if the, if the, the driving motivation or the driving factor that sort of sits under everything is like anxiety and fear about help. Like if it's just avoidance, it's really hard for, for the true seeds of God's love to grow in your heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's really weird. I began to wake up. I began to wake up that I needed to see something more. And in fact, Jesus was giving us something more. And so this is what I want to do. I just want to talk to you about the good news of the kingdom. I want to talk to you about the message of the kingdom. And the first thing I want to say this morning is it is better than you thought. And I want to basically divide this in two sections for us this morning. Uh, the message of Jesus, it works sort of like this. Uh, Jesus has a message and we're going to get to that. When we're talking about the message of Jesus, Jesus has a message. He's always speaking about the good news of the kingdom of God. But how many of you know, understand this, that more fundamentally than Jesus has a message, the thing that sits underneath it is that Jesus is a message. Now in church, in church, we will oftentimes, we will oftentimes talk about the message that Jesus speaks and we've done almost no thinking or and almost no talking about the message that Jesus is. Now, I want to just sort of break us into this just for a few moments. The first thing I want to do with you this morning is I want to talk to you about the fact that Jesus is fundamentally the message. I want to help us think this through because maybe some of us haven't considered this. Uh, the Gospel of John says that Jesus was and is and forever will be the word of God. You guys know that? In the beginning was what? The word. That's right. That's what John opens his gospel with. And when John is opening his gospel with that little line, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word, meaning this. Jesus is the message. Jesus has a message, but even more fundamentally, Jesus is the message. Now let's just Unpack this for a moment. Here's part of what that means. It means that when Jesus was one day old in his mother's arms, nursing at her breast, guess what? He was the message. One day old. They still hadn't got all the stuff off of him yet. You know, all the like baby cheese. How many of you have ever seen a kid be born? I was unprepared for that. I didn't know. I didn't know that they came with like a little layer of cheese. And they have to wipe it off. It's amazing. When Jesus was one day old, a little greasy from whatever that stuff is. It's amazing, right? Whatever that stuff is. There's like probably a medical professional in here who could help us. When he was one day old in his mother's arms and he was nursing at her breast, he was the message right then. When he was 15 years old and he had pimples and he was probably stinky. I know some of you are thinking, Jesus? Pimples? Stinky? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 
I bet he had, I bet his face just exploded when he turned about 14 or 15. And I bet he smelled terrible. A few years ago, I got duped into doing a kid's camp. (laughs) I spent a week, I spent a week in Georgia, like an hour west of Atlanta. Hottest place I've ever been in my entire life. It was July. 500 vineyard kids in a room like this big. I'm telling you guys, we got there on Monday. Uh, When I got up to preach on Thursday, that place smelled like onions and armpits. (laughs) Yeah. That's why, because that's how middle schoolers smell, y'all. And and what am I trying to say right now? I'm trying to say that Jesus, when he was 15 years old, had breakouts. He smelled weird. He was awkward. Uh, He couldn't run probably very good. Like he probably he experienced some moment in his life where his body like outpaced his ability to use his body. Anybody here ever grow so fast that like you were trying to run, but you just look like a baby giraffe falling down? Jesus, same thing. When Jesus was 15 and pimply and stinky and ran like a baby giraffe, he was the message. Some of you are like, where's he going with this? It's going to get worse, but then it'll get better. When Jesus was 23 years old and girlfriendless, he was the message. Now, imagine... Imagine you lived 2,000 years ago. Life is way more hard scrabble. Uh, imagine you lived 2,000 years ago and uh, people got married way younger. And imagine uh, Jesus is still at home. He's 23 and he doesn't have a wife. And not only that, he doesn't even have a girlfriend. And imagine what a disappointment he is to his mother. She's like, hey, Jesus, when are you going to get a girlfriend? It's like, Come on, Jesus, like, haven't you seen? She's, like, cute. She's cute. She's really, come on, she's at the temple all the time. No girlfriend, completely disappointing his mother. 23-year-old Jesus. 23-year-old Jesus was probably a real bummer for Mary. Probably. Probably. Because nothing the angel told her would have prepared her for him, not having a wife and a kid, you know, just the whole thing, right? And Jesus is like still living at home, completely disappointing his mother. She's like getting more and more anxious all the time. What's wrong with him, right? When he's 23 years old, still living at home without a girlfriend, definitely not a wife, sort of disappointing his mother, he was the message. When he was 28, working in his father's shop, making tables, Hard calluses all over his hands, strong arms when he was 28 and working in his father's shop, building whatever it is that he and Joseph built. He was the message. And when he was calling his disciples a few years later, he was the message. And when he was sleeping through the storm, y'all remember that story? He and the disciples are out in the boat. Big storm comes up. Disciples are freaking out. Where's Jesus? Back of the boat asleep. When he's asleep in the back of the boat, guess what he is? He's the message. He's the word of God. Right then, right then. How many of you know we could play this game all day long? We could play this game all day long. But here's the thing I want you to see. I want you to see that the message of the kingdom is not just a call we hear, but it's a person we know. 
The message of the kingdom is a person, and that person is Jesus. And because it's Jesus, and because he's always been the word of God, this means some stuff. So we have to go back through that list I just gave you, and I want to tell you what it means just for a moment. This is going to encourage some people in the room, okay? If Jesus were the message, if he were the word of God when he was a baby one day old in his mother's arms, then the good news is that tenderness and vulnerability are part of the kingdom. And not only that, but there's a part of God's kingdom that only comes through tenderness and vulnerability. That only comes through weakness. That only comes through complete and utter helplessness. How many of you understand that if Mary was a bad mother, Jesus would have died? And God completely trusts her with his own life, right? That's right. The first person to ever trust was God. Yeah. He could have, Mary could have been a bad mother. Nope. If Jesus were the word of God when he was one day old, it means that tenderness, vulnerability, and weakness are doorways into God's kingdom. The good news is they're included. And there's part of God, there's a part of his his kingdom, there's a part of his rule and reign that will only come through weakness, tenderness, vulnerability, openness, softness, It's the only way it comes. If Jesus were the message when he was 15 with pimples, then the good news is this, that God is oftentimes coming to us in awkward, in-between moments when we're in transition. How many in in here are in some sort of a transitional moment It's really awkward? That's what 15 with pimples is. Like you're not a boy and you're not a man. God, God spent several years as not a boy and not a man going through a transition. And it was most likely just as awkward as yours was. And how many of you know that even now in your, in your life, if there's a place of transition, if there's a place of awkwardness, if there's a place where you don't seem to make sense, if there's a place where your life doesn't mean, seem to make sense, if there's a, if there's an area in your life where it feels like everything around you has pimples and stinks, uh, it doesn't mean you've been cursed. It doesn't mean that it's the devil. It might mean that God is with you and this is a part of the journey. If Jesus... If Jesus were the message when he was 23 and wifeless, then the good news is this. The good news is that life is more than sex and marriage. We'll just camp on this for a second. Real life is more than sex and marriage. You you can never be married. You could be someone who never has sex and you could have the real life of God. And not less than. Jesus never got married. Jesus never had sex. He was the life and the word of God. Paul never got married. Never had sex. He had the real life of God. We've, we've made idols out of sex in America. We've also made idols out of marriage. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And you know what? Some people in here may not ever get married and may not ever have sex. Or you may have to wait longer than you thought you were going to. And here's the good news. You are not, you are not being cut off from the life of God. Amen. You are not being cut off. Jesus at 23, disappointing his mother, not married, not even a girlfriend to kiss and snuggle. Jesus was the word of God 
This means life, real life, the good news life, the best life you could possibly live is more than sex and marriage. You might have to write that down. If Jesus were the message in his father's shop at 28, then the good news is this, that regular work, Monday to Friday work is holy work. Your job matters. Where you go matters. What you do matters. There is no division between ministry and not ministry. There is no place that God isn't at work. There is no office that is devil infested and God devoid. There is no place that isn't holy to him. Jesus had calluses. Jesus could build stuff. Paul made tents. Paul made tents. All work is holy work. All work is holy work. I just want to tell you, some people in here may be called to ministry, okay? And if you're called to ministry, that's a very serious thing, and it's a high calling. The Bible says that if you want to be called into ministry, or if you have a hope of leadership in your heart, that's a great thing. Uh, But here's the other thing you need to know. If you are a PhD in this room, or if you want to be a PhD, uh, if you are deeply interested in things like math and science, if you're an engineer, uh, if you like working with your hands and you like building stuff, if you like to sell things, if you like to just uh, lead people and build teams, all of this is not just legal, it's holy work. It's holy work. Can I tell you one of the things we need right now? We need Christians who will be PhDs. We need Christians who will uh, become engineers. We need Christians who will give themselves to things like math and science. And we need Christians who will go into every single field. None of them are devoid of God. All of them are holy. All of them. That's part of what this means. If Jesus is born, let's just think about this. If he's born, then the good news is that God is with us and the spirit is not opposed to matter. The word became flesh. Here's what that means. Spirit is not opposed to matter. We can't live in a a two-story universe anymore where the good stuff is up there and everything down here is bad, where spirit is good and matter is bad. That's not the truth. That is not the truth. That is an anti-Christian message. The, The Christian message is that matter, and by matter, I mean stuff. I mean like tables and floors and your body and breathing and people and society and cities and rural areas and farms. Here's what it means. It means it all matters. Every bit of it matters. Your life matters. Your job matters. Your home matters. Where you live matters. And not only that, the earth matters. The earth matters. You know, the the whole rainforest is on fire right now down in Brazil. Guess what God thinks about that? He weeps over it. Why? Because spirit is not opposed to matter. It all matters. Natural disasters matter. And if Jesus grew, if not only if he was born, but if he grew, then the good news is that process, process is a part of the work. Part of the work. Process is a part of God's plan. Here's part of the issue in charismatic church. In charismatic church, we love the instantaneous. And here's the deal. You can read the Bible and there's a lot of instantaneous in the Bible. Here's what I, here's what I found when I turned about 31. Uh, God likes instantaneous, but what he really loves is slow, progressive, 
uh, process day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, eons upon eons. God mostly does things really slow. God mostly does things really quiet. Uh, the true work of God is usually the thing that you could ignore or say no to. I'm going to hit you one more time here. If Jesus spent most of his life doing other things than ministry, then the good news is that there's a lot more to life than church meetings. And I'm a pastor. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus lived 30 years and he didn't do a thing. That's, you know, that's the church air quotes here. Jesus lived 30 years and he didn't do a thing. And the message was the kingdom of God. The 30 years of nothing was just as much as the three years of something. Jesus spent 90% of his life, quote unquote, doing nothing. Jesus spent 10% of his life, quote unquote, doing something. I want to tell you that that division is bogus. It was all the word of God. It was all the message of God because Jesus is the message. Jesus is the message. The good news is this, that the kingdom is being radically, um, it's growing radically more than you and I ever knew. And it's radically more substantial than you and I first thought. And that the blessed life is the one you currently have. I hope you can see this. hope you can feel it. How many of you are recognizing that the room is getting a little lighter? It's getting a little lighter. It's like, whoa. I'm... Yeah, this is worth meditating on. Jesus is the message. Here's what I want to finish with this morning. I want to finish with this. Not only is Jesus the message, but Jesus has a message. And everything that Jesus said was the message. But I just want to give you one verse. We can put it up this morning. This comes out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, 14 through 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming, speaking, preaching the good news of God. Here it is. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. How many of you have heard those words a time or two? Yeah, we have. You know, super Christians. We know these, we know these words. Uh, these are certainly some of the words that if you've been at church at all, you've probably heard a time or two. Jesus has a message, but Jesus is a message. And this is the message that he preaches. There's some words in this passage that probably stick out a little bit. But I want you to notice that the main action that happens here before Jesus starts preaching is that uh, John, his cousin, gets put in prison. And you guys know that uh, it doesn't end well for John, right? And I just love that that Mark includes that little detail for us. So after John the Baptist gets thrown in jail and he was preaching and he got thrown in jail, right? That's when Jesus starts preaching. I just love this. It's like a bad season for preachers and Jesus is like, I think I'll start preaching. Jesus is so brave. Like, like right when all the other preachers get thrown in jail and have their heads cut off, Jesus is like, well, I figure it's probably about my time to start. I just love that. And, and he comes with this message. He, he says uh, essentially three things. Uh, the time has come. The kingdom is near. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. And you know, if you grew up in church, 
there's one word in these two verses that sort of sticks out more than all the other words. What is it? Repent. Ah, that word. Dang it. Repent. Uh, can I tell you something? I was so surprised one day when I found out what repent really meant. Do you guys know what repent means? It means change your mind. Like I grew up thinking it meant hate yourself, roll on the floor and cry a lot, right? <laughs> what I found out it meant is it means change your mind. Like uh, change the way you think. Uh, re reconfigure life. Uh, re, re, re take another stab at it. Like reconsider everything that has gotten you up to this point. Maybe turn it upside down and look at it out the back door one time. That's basically what repent means. It means something like that. Change the way you think. And so if Jesus is saying, change the way you think, you have to ask yourself, well, what is he wanting us to change our minds about? You ever thought about that? Like if he's saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the time has come. Like, what is it that Jesus is wanting us to change our minds about? And there's a sense in which you could say, well, he's wanting us to change our minds about everything, right? That'd be the super Christian answer. Uh, everything. <laughs> everything. Yes, everything. Well, here's, the, here's a better way to look at this, at least for this little scripture here. A, a better way to read this, and honestly, this is just a better way to read the Bible. Anytime there's some sort of a question that comes up in the text there's a very good chance that the answer is sitting right next to it or really close. So Jesus says, change your mind. And right here in these two verses are everything we need to change our mind about. The main things that we need to change our mind about. Jesus is wanting us to think of things a little bit differently. He says, Two other things besides change your mind. He says these two things. He says, the time has come. The time has come. And the kingdom is near. I would like to suggest to you that the thing that Jesus wants us mostly to change our minds about are these two things. The time has come. This is about time. And he says, the kingdom is near. This is about space. If Jesus is talking about time and space, then he's talking about ultimate reality. Change your mind about what you believe about when and where the kingdom of God is. How many of you, how many of you have ever uh, thought of it this way? How many of you thought that the kingdom of heaven is far off? Like the kingdom of heaven is in heaven. And it's like, it's like up there. If we go through the ceiling and we go a zillion billion miles, it's like up there somewhere. And it's really far off. Right? But Jesus says it's what? It's near. How many of you thought that the kingdom of heaven was in another time? Like way in the future. Like mostly, most of us probably grew up thinking this. It's after you die. Right? Most people... Most people think, well, the kingdom of heaven is like on the other side of Pluto and it's after you die. And Jesus shows up with the message of the kingdom and he says, I need you to repent. I need you to change your mind and I want you to start thinking different. And here's the thing I want you to start thinking different about. Uh, it's not far away. It's now. It's not another time. It's now. It's not out there. 
It's here. This is the fundamental repentance that the world needs. This is the fundamental message of Jesus. That everything that we thought was later is here. Everything that we thought was there has come. Everything that we thought was some other moment has become now. It's right here. And doesn't this perfectly marry with everything that we've been talking about earlier in the morning? About if Jesus is the message? Doesn't this perfect... Like, like if Jesus is the message when he is 23 and wifeless in his father's shop, if that's the word of God, if that's the truth, then isn't, isn't it only natural that it would be here and now? Here and now. And I know some of you, you might be thinking, well, Adam, I, I thought that the kingdom of heaven was now and not yet. Now and not yet. Anybody here ever talk, heard about the kingdom of heaven is now and not yet? This is, this is like classic vineyard theology, so maybe you haven't heard it. That the kingdom of heaven is now and not yet. Uh, that's actually one of the most true things. That'll help you out a lot. The kingdom of heaven is now and not yet. Um, meaning that it is now and it is here. And then there's an aspect of it that is not yet and not here. How do you like that? Uh, here's what that means. It means that we could pray for 100 sick people here in the room. And some of them would get healed. And uh, some of them would not. Why? Because it's now and it's not yet. And some people might be thinking, well, what about the not yet moments when God uh, doesn't seem to be doing the thing we hoped he would do or when it feels like we're being let down? Well, here's what I want to tell you. The truth of what Jesus is saying is that even in the moments that feel like not yet moments, God is still at work and he's still he's still very close, even in moments of incredible disappointment and pain like even the big ones what are the big ones well like death like death how many of you have ever prayed for someone you just knew they were going to get healed and three days later they were dead yeah i want to tell you something god is with you even in those moments and you haven't been forsaken that person wasn't forsaken jesus knows about all of it he never ever leaves that's one of his foundational promises and even in the big terrible disappointing moments jesus is with us That's part of what this means. And this is another form of repentance we have to have. That even in our loss, even in our pain, and even in our disappointment, even when the breakthrough does not come, God is with us and he is near. He is, it's not just some other time and some other place. It is here and it is now. Why? Because Jesus is the message. That's why. If Jesus is the message and, and, and he were sold out by his friends and he were abused, then God is with us in our pain and our defeats. Anybody here ever been sold out by a friend? Here's the message. Uh, God is with us even in our pain and our, and our defeats. Jesus was sold out by his friends. If Jesus is the message and he was put to death, then God knows. He knows what death is like. And when he knows what death is like, he's not playing his God cards, but he knows it because he experienced it. He's not just playing his omni cards. He knows it by experience. Here's what that means. It means we're not alone. You've never been alone. You will never be alone. And if Jesus were raised up, if Jesus were raised up and he has been raised up, then God has doubled down on life. God has doubled down on life. Jesus was born, crucified, and raised up. God has doubled down on this life thing. For Jesus to be born, that that means forever and a day that life is important. Your life is important. 
But if a dead Jesus is resurrected, then life is doubly important. God has doubled down on life. He will never give up. Here's what it means. It means that death will never, ever have the last word. It means this. It means that disappointment is only a moment. Disappointment is only a moment. Some of us are drowning in a sea of disappointment. You think, will this ever end? I'm telling you, there is a time coming where you will look back on your disappointments and they will only be a a small fleeting thought. You might not even be able to remember it because what is ahead is so much greater than what is uh, behind and where you currently are. God is going to completely swallow up death and disappointment with life. He has raised he has raised the crucified Jesus forever. Life is going to win. So QCC, this is the message this morning. This is the message of the kingdom. Not later, but now. Not somewhere else, but here. And even in our disappointments, even in our disappointments, even in our pain, even in our loss, even in our doubts, even in our confusion, God is still at work. You have not been forsaken. Uh, Jesus knows about pain. He knows about disappointment. He knows about loss. He knows about confusion. He knows about doubt. And he doesn't know because he's God. He knows because he experienced it. God is with us. You have never, ever been forsaken. Never. Here's what I want to do this morning just to wrap this up. I I don't know what your liturgy is normally like, but this is what we'll do. I've got the microphone. Um, Here's what I want to do this morning. If you... um, If you are someone who is currently experiencing disappointment, fear, and anxiety, we want to minister to that this morning. I got up and I was getting ready this morning. I just felt like the Lord wanted to really address disappointment, fear, and anxiety. And what I felt like he wanted to do was, I felt like in a very tangible way, he wanted to come alongside us. To let us know that you are not alone. You haven't been forsaken. And this is not going to be forever. Is that okay? So here, here's what I want to do. Um, yeah, Andy's here. Here's what I want to do. If you, if you are currently experiencing some sort of fear, anxiety, and disappointment, why don't you just stand up right where you're at? Is that anybody this morning? Yeah. Hmm. More than a few. All right. Thank you for being so brave, by the way. It's a vulnerable thing to admit those kinds of things. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Lord. Uh, here's the other thing I want to do. If you are here this morning and you see some people standing around you, uh, why don't you just lay a hand on a shoulder? Okay? Some of these people, you're not... You're not you're not standing. Why don't, we're just going to be the church who sees one another. And you don't even have to have words to pray this morning. I'm, I'm going to pray, but we just want to stand with people. Can we just make sure that everybody has a hand on their shoulder? If you're standing, that's great. If you can't have a human pray for you at church, where are you going to go? Yeah. So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. And God, I just thank you that you're so kind. You said that a bruised reed you would not break and a smoldering wick you would not put out. 
I've had that scripture with me all weekend long. Spirit, we ask that you would, that you would touch every bruised reed in this room, every smoldering wick. That you would strengthen it. This morning, God, we, we just hold out all of our anxiety to you, all of our disappointments, all of our pain, everything that feels like loss, God. And, and God, we ask that you would begin to fill and touch that. this morning that every place where we felt alone that you would show us where you're at and God we ask for grace to repent to stop believing that we've been forsaken to stop believing that we've been left alone to stop believing that you've forgotten confession from the start I could feel hopes and fears all those years gone by I was searching for you I was searching for you Somehow my heart got broken There were no guarantees I swore you owed me something down should I know it what is true what is real sometimes love lets you find yourself I am searching for you Lord I'm searching for you
again There were no guarantees I swore you owed me something But I owe you everything Yes, I owe you everything Lord, I owe you everything Lord, thank you for binding up our wounds For leading us to the path of righteousness For making your faith our faith And for helping us in our times of need, Lord. Jesus, we bless you today. And all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.